what's out there. That's why I'm a girl. Hi, and welcome back to Wild Dream, where we give you the freshest takes on the latest movies. My name is David. And this is Jackson. And that's right, guys, and that's it. That's the end of the intros. That's the end of people saying their names. You know why? Because on this very special episode for you guys, Daniel is not here, and we have invited my good friend Jackson to come onto the show today, partially because I needed a co-host for today because Daniel wasn't going to make it anyway, and partially because we needed someone else who is at least somewhat familiar with Marvel to come onto the show, and Jackson could not be more uh, of a perfect guest. Now, Jackson, you and I over the years have had some of the longest and fr- quite frankly dumbest conversations regarding Marvel movies. Am I yeah. wrong about that? No, absolutely. I feel like uh, whether it be like fanfic almost, you know, you're almost just kind of rambling about what could have been or just the current state. Yeah, we've definitely we definitely had an ample amount of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I talk to people about this uh, a lot and no one knows what I'm talking about and nobody believes me when they do. And it's that you and I, uh, that, so if you guys remember, um, the there was a, a, an Avengers video game that came out a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a, this online and what, all this stuff. Me and Jackson made that game. We actually. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So here's what I'm trying to yes. say. Me and Jackson had about like a hour to two hour long conversation on the clock at work about, <laughs> about our ideal Avengers video game and what it would look like and how it would play. And we both had like two somewhat separate ideas about how it would play. And basically that game that came out was just a combination of those two games to the point to when it came out, we were just like, bro, they fucking bugged us. Oh my God. This is the game. <laughs> And and uh, the game ended up failing anyway, so it kind of so we were wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it tur- turns out we, we don't know. We have terrible ideas, and we thought we were so right. It was yeah. humbling, if anything. <laughs> we don't know shit about fuck. So <laughs> apparently, about, uh, making video games. Ironically enough, the game that didn't flop that everyone says is what they wish the Avengers game would have been is the Guardians of the Galaxy game, and that's what we're here to talk about today is the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. You're exactly right. The Guardians game was great we're talking about the guardians game yeah the guardians uh, video game came out i never played it um me neither and you know what's sad about that is that i actually feel like and i think that we've we've mentioned this on some of the other pods especially the marvel ones um where you know daniel and i are kind of in agreement that like when guardians of the galaxy volume one came out it was one of the best movies that they had done to date when that movie came out and yeah it was just absolutely incredible and of course, now all of the movies look like Guardians of the Galaxy one because they are all just like fuck it, just put everyone in a green screen room uh, and let us sell toys because Marvel is owned by Disney now. But yeah, like, absolutely, yeah, like like while it is fair to say that you know Guardians of the Galaxy one was like a completely different, and they you know it's the first time that we were doing something really humorous, and and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two comes out, and I hated it. I remember that. I remember Taylor thinking it was one of the worst movies, period, that wow. she had ever seen. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of the fans were really disappointed by it. And um, part of the the thing 
was the 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 attempts at humor. People were like, every single moment has to be a joke. It's undercut. Yeah, undercut by a joke. Even the serious moments were undercut. Yeah, and then some of the other complaints were we were pretty far into that phase at that point, and that movie just had like nothing to do with it. And so like right. people were complaining about that. I was like, okay, I get that to a certain degree, but also it's like we're introducing new characters before we get yeah. into the whole thing. So, yeah. And the discussion becomes like, when do we make movies that are about somebody else's own journey? Because you, if you ask me, you can't have every movie be about the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Granted, Phase 4, I feel like it's been that. It's been like not a lot of things being connected. So it's, And then I don't like that. So it's like weird. It's a weird mix of do we have those independent adventures like Guardians 2 or... Yeah. Do we have like one like Guardians One, which was directly because it had the uh, I forget which the purple stone in it. Yeah, yeah, it had the power stone. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know you get introduced to Ronan, who introduces you to Thanos. So like, yeah, that movie was you know cri- you know crucial to to the the building blocks of of that phase. So like, I'd say so. Yeah, but then Guardians of the Galaxy Two was fucking boring as shit. And then I can't believe you didn't like that one, dude. Oh, I really? loved Guardians Two. I loved it actually. Oh I'm my surprised. god, I was kind of. Puking in my mouth over here when you said that. What, <laughs> dude? I, Guardians I, I, Two I, fucking sucks. <laughs> dude, I I mean, this isn't the discussion about this film. Okay, okay, say, okay. Well, off th- the air, we're gonna have a talk. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Um, but yeah, and then you know, like I, I do agree with what you're saying. Like, like the, a lot of what's going on right now is individual stuff. You know, we had a Hawkeye TV show. We have a. I haven't seen She Hulk yet. Um, Loki has his own TV show and, and they're doing a new yep. Captain, you know, the Captain Falcon, American Winter Soldier, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Falcon, whatever. And yeah. <laughs> then they, you know, WandaVision, <laughs> Doctor Strange got his own sing- single movie, you know, Black Widow had a prequel come out. It was just, you know, it's been all of that. And I think that I appreciate that because I think that they were in an understanding that like, we're not ready to put the Avengers together again. We're not ready. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Captain America's dead or gone, whatever, you know, Iron Man is, is gone. Like we're not ready to, to, you know, put fucking Captain Marvel and Spider-Man really? together. Are you calling like, like the, like the, you know, writers and such, or like the audience. This one is, and so we'll, we'll go ahead and get into spoiler free talk here. Here, here's here's a small spoiler, but doesn't actually spoil anything in the movie. It just spoils the podcast. Yeah. I thought this was one of the best movies that they have come out with in a long time. Interesting. Like I, what about compared to Spider Man? No, no, not compared to Spider Man. Jesus Christ. Uh, like yeah, compared to Thor: Love and Thunder, compared to yeah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, compared to. Um, you know, I, the, uh, God, what's the other fucking one that came out? Black oh, Ant-Man. Panther, yeah. Ant-Man. Compared to Ant-Man, even compared to Black Panther, I would say like this movie was absolutely incredible. I think that it really like just, you know, did away with all the dumb bad shit that happened in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and brought back a lot of what we loved about Guardians 1 that mm-hmm. made the movie like really good to me. And I think that, you know, obviously you know, there's, this movie is a very emotional movie. Like I, I was going to make a joke at the beginning of, instead of saying uh-huh. we went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I was going to say we went to go see Crying in the Club, <laughs> the movie. 
(laughs) because that's literally literally how I felt like during most of this movie. And then, you know, yeah, like, like, I don't know. Like the action is way better. You know, I think the balance between story and emotional aspects and action were done really well. One of my biggest complaints of uh, Shazam, which I know that's not Marvel, but still, you know, superhero movies Mm -hmm. was that there was like five seconds of fighting in the entire movie. Um, Uh And it's like, yeah, like we like at least Marvel understands like, hey, when we come to watch a superhero movie, we want to see that super superhero use their special abilities or powers to fight other people who have special abilities or powers. That's what we're fucking here to see. So yeah, that's like the most basic, like that is what it is. Like the, the blueprint of us coming to, to theater is to see superhero do thing. It gets bad guy. Yeah, exactly. So and just, that, it's like, what are you doing? But yeah, th- this movie I think had a really, really good balance, which of course, you know, we expect that from Marvel. I, the only reason well, I had complaints about the action in Ant-Man is I was like, you know, mad that Cassie was just as good at fucking fighting within five seconds as Scott is from years of training. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the music was uh, used better in this movie and it, like kind of how you expect it with Guardians where it's like every other scene has a new song. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just think that like when he, when it comes to like doing this like crazy everything's on a fucking green screen movies, which even though this one did have a lot of practical sets, I thought I really loved that um, mm-hmm. is that the problem with 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 doing that is that when you're Ant-Man and you do that, it feels weird and I don't like it. You know, and when it's when you're Spider-Man and you're doing that, it feels weird and I don't like it. You know, it's like, OK, you're, you're taking characters that were grounded in reality and then putting them in these these whatever. When you do it with Guardians, it's like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I expect. And so like, yes. there's less to complain about when it comes that's to true. the level of, you know, uh, I, I guess eccentricities with with the set design and, and the, you know, all those different things um, with this movie, because. That's what you want from this, you know, this storyline. Um, you know, when Thor is doing it, I'm like, why? You know, and so, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, like this one, I, I just, I, I thought that this one was really well done. I thought the story was really well done. Like if the writing is bad, the whole fucking movie is going to be bad. And the writing of two, I thought was bad. And so it's like, it didn't matter what else they did. The movie was boring to me. And then, uh, you know, this one, I thought the story was really good. The humor was really well done and put in the right places at the right time. And I felt like the editing was really well done as well. So that it, I did not feel the length of this movie, um, mm. nearly as much as I do others. Good. Okay. Interesting. I feel like, there's a lot to digest here because because spoiler free talk, right? If we're talking about the writing, dude, honestly, I feel like the first act was a little a little rushed, a little like let's and then this happens and then this happens type of type of thinking in the sense of like you did have those quips that they have like guard though we love the guardians for because when it comes to like that's I think might be my favorite part about the guardians themselves is that they. Uh, immediately when we see them in that first movie, they're so organically together and they work incredibly well, you know, and they, it, it's exactly what you said. It's you get this random like this out of pocket, almost like Marvel uh, characters that no one really cared about. I mean, you heard it a thousand times, like nobody really gave a shit about. Yeah, uh, the Garden I do Galaxy. remember that. Everyone was like, right. why are they like, making a movie for them? <laughs> yeah, like they're making, they're, they're gonna, how are they going to make the raccoon work, you know? Right. And it just, it worked. Like James Gunn, like 
nailed it and they're almost i mean it's kind of a overstatement when you say it's a uh what's what's the word and you know it at home like it's a home name yeah 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 it's a it's household a, but name. no you know what i mean like you could talk about iron man you could talk about star lord exactly yeah. kind of they're, ha- they're household names now the household names that's right but with guardians 2 which i really loved um Ugh. i feel like we just got a, like a little bit more just get the getting to know about them you know yeah and uh while it was its own independent adventure you know it's it's its own thing right but that's besides the point for for guardians 3 i felt though that a lot of like the quips and such in the first act were not necessarily for like they're funny but kind of kind of forced but more so explain it like a lot of their dialogue was was trying to talk about what was going on the plot and i'll I'll explain that like once we're able to talk about said plot but it wasn't bad like i'm saying all this but it's not bad but it it was definitely like um it's kind of what phase four i feel like has been suffering from a lot of this it's like uh, new exposition like it's 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 a ton of exposition and it's a ton of uh that same blueprint for these marvel movies or maybe even lack of time. I know they've been look, working on this movie in particular for a long time, but like a little rushed script, I would say. Yeah, I definitely felt that in Love and Thunder the most. Like yes. I felt like Love and Thunder had a lot of like it was sloppy. It, it was sloppy. That a lot of the jokes in it, where I was like, yeah, that was a that was the first that you know what I'm saying that that was the first draft joke, you know, or whatever no it is. But yeah, and so I mean, if you're if you're ready, if yeah, I feel like you're really itching to to talk about this movie in in, in more depth. So we'll go into spoiler talk here if you're ready. Well, yeah, we could just say as far as our conclusions go, spoiler free. I'm not going to say I'm, I'll say see it. Definitely see it. It's not bad. It's 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 great even. But uh, there are some problems with it personally, but it is a great movie. Yeah, I definitely think. And I texted Daniel after this one and, and he said, is it one that you think is worth watching for me? And I, I said yes, because uh, partially because there's way less references to the other movies in this one. Um, yeah. And partially because uh, he really liked Guardians one. So I felt like he would like this one for sure. But you would agree you would have to have a connection to these characters anyway. Like I think like I honestly yeah. don't think you can watch this movie without knowing who these people are. If you haven't seen Guardians one and at least Guardians two. I mean, I, listen, the, I, you have to if you haven't seen the fucking Christmas special that they did, you're going to be lost. That's actually yeah. a true. That's actually canon because that's when you find out that. uh just kidding. You thought I was going to spoil some, didn't you? Oh, you stupid. Literally- you stupid <laughs> motherfuckers. You thought I was going to spoil some shit for you. Go watch I the crew. I did too. My mouth was like wide open. Yeah. I was like, you did do it. Yeah. Uh, you do have to watch Guardians 1, Guardians 2, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this is not an ad read. Fuck Disney. <laughs> Fuck you until you pay us. Fuck you until you pay us. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into spoiler talk here. So spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm downloading the spoilers alerts right onto my comms. Spoiler alerts. Hacking now. Hacking, hacking, hacking. Spoilers. We can go ahead and get into this first act that you were talking about. And so, um, you know, this movie is primarily about slash for the purposes of giving context to Rocket Raccoon um, and his character and how he 
kind of came about. Um, the big bad is his big bad. It's the guy who fucking made him the way that he is. And you get all of his backstory of everything that happened to him leading up to him becoming a criminal, essentially. Um, yep. And I here's the thing. Before watching this movie, I think I would have said, I don't give a fuck about his backstory. And after watching this movie, I'm like, why are you crying? I'm not crying. Yeah. <laughs> I have something no, in my sure. eyes. <laughs> I have something in my eyes. It's allergy season. The it's fuck? Like it just does. <laughs> it just does. I swear. <laughs> dust makes me cry. So. <clears throat> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but yeah, and, and so the opening of this movie, like, I get what you're saying in terms of, like, they're not like, oh, let's you know, transition some way into talking about rocket raccoons past by having something happen. That's related to his past that triggers him or something. No, they just show a fucking scene of him as a, a baby as like the opening fucking scene of the movie. It automatically is telling you this is going to be about rocket, you know? And the, the question I have is why? Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he was never, the the guy. I mean, the the only reason I could think of why they would do it is because you've already had two adventures focused entirely on what's on Star Lord. Um, so you really, I mean, I suppose you can't have a third. Well, the thing, it all it does conclude a lot of characters' arcs in this movie, especially at the end. Spoiler! When, you know, oh wait, we're in spoilers. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it does it does conclude a lot of arcs, but it, obviously it is centered around Rocket, and it was just a cur- It was just an interesting decision. In the sense of like, did did anybody really want to know about all this? Right. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. but it was told well. That's the problem. It's like it's not. It's not bad that they. Did what it, they did they isn't did bad, really but well. like how they did it wasn't bad. It's you're just saying that what they did was a confusing decision. It was just yeah, exactly. I yeah, I get that because yeah, exactly. Like I said, like I was like I like someone said like yeah, Rocket dies in this movie, and like I didn't believe them, but I was like okay, like you know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, yeah, He's exactly. such a small. Like, oh, no. Yeah, but at the same time, like at the after this movie, it's like yeah, I want to see Rocket in more stuff because I like him more now. I respect him more now you know like and and he's always like kind of made some like small comments about his past and stuff like that now i will say though there is something that they still don't explain in the movie and that will you know we'll get to that point that i'm still like okay cool but you still haven't made that more clear Uh, yeah uh but yeah like you know this movie starts out with like everyone's kind of depressed in a way you know like they're putting together the you know the new nowhere and you know it's like in and that has been like their goal and their mission, you know, for a long time. You have like, I think like this, they still have like some Asgardians on this fucking nowhere. Right. And then the Ravengers. Yeah. I, well, I'm not sure if the, if there's any Ravengers there. Cause I know they, they came and visited with, uh, Gamora, you know, the, right. her crew were the Ravengers. Well, the so old they Ravengers. Some. Yeah, exactly. Housing some old Ravengers. I'm sure they're really housing a lot of different people as Guardians, Ravengers. They didn't really make it clear, but I don't know if it's something that's necessarily needed to be made clear. You know what I mean? Right. It's obviously some sort of, it's like a headquarters for the Guardians. Right. Um, but yeah, and so they, you know, the biggest thing that's going on with Peter, or, or you know, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, whatever you want to fucking call him, uh, he <laughs> is... You know, still super depressed about the fact that the love of his life uh, was murdered by her father, uh, irreparably, 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 permanently, exotically, exotically. (laughs) She was killed exotically by a lion, actually. (laughs) 
<laughs> she was killed exotically, nude. It really, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it was a pretty exotic death. Spoiler well, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, she gets thrown off the, the cliff to get the uh, the soul stone, and then she can't come back. So uh, she comes back because of time travel. So there's two Gamoras. What's up? Which is sad, though, because it's like, it's not only that she's dead, it's it's that she's still here. Yeah, that's like that more sad. Like, he can't yeah. even move on because he's like, well, she's not dead. She's right there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, like, that's like, and you can understand, I think from the first moments you see Peter, like, you understand what's going on with him. You don't even, like, question it. Like, you, you know, they just, and, and then Rocket is the one who's like, why are you so sad, bro? Like, what what do you, like, I get what you're saying in terms of, like, like, they jump right into his story and it's like, I would have preferred if something would have happened like if it was like the anniversary of some shit or he saw something or, you know, what I'm saying something like that, that triggered all of those memories that he was like thinking about that all the time. Uh, because what they're trying to do in this first act, I felt like was try to make it seem as though Rocket's always depressed about what happened to him. He's always just thinking about that shit all the time. And I just didn't get that from the other movies. Yeah, exactly. They had him sitting there listening to the music, which was fantastic when it was doing that opening scene with, yeah. with uh, I, I wish I could remember. I probably need to pull up the soundtrack here. By Radiohead. Um, which one was it? Creep. Is that what it was playing? Yeah. The opening song is Creep by Radiohead. Okay. Perfect. It was, and it was playing as I was going through each character and kind of what they're up to. And, and it looked like Rocket was down. And uh, that, and you're right. It was very much like I mean, he mentioned it. He didn't like talking about it, you know. And they always alluded. And you're right. They always did allude to it because they would show his uh, marks on his uh, surgery on his back and such. Yeah, it um, makes me kind of wonder, like, how long have they had? Like, I don't know how much of his backstory in this movie is canon. I don't know how much of it is in the comics, and it, you know how much of it have they been trying to. Or waiting on, you know, like trying to implement and waiting on for this movie, you know? Yeah, I agree. I feel I feel as though. See, that's where I'm. And then like the way it starts off, because, you know, they're all chilling and then Adam Warlock comes flying in, which was a great. I love that visual, by the way, with him flying in. And it was like that far shot and he was dead in the center and it slowly zoomed in on him flying through space. Yeah, was an excellent. I, now, love I don't know he, how I feel about this guy. Cinematic shots. I don't know how I feel about this guy doing uh, Goldface though, because you know Gold Dust. You know him and his family. They're horribly offended by this representation of their of their people. I saw that they had a, a Twitter outrage. They were they were saying cancel uh, Raccoon. Uh, but yeah, and then you know, uh, but I, like his character, I thought was like, you know, that was the one that I thought was way too often supposed to be funny but wasn't i don't think like most of his humor landed it's like we already have the guy who's really powerful but is very stupid in drax you know we already have that and drax does it way better than this fucking guy so his delivery is superb dude oh yeah every single thing he would say got a laugh out of my theater and me yeah, like oh, like like one of the bit, like one of the only like consistently funny bits I thought in this movie was every time Peter calls uh, or someone calls Rocket Raccoon Peter's best friend, then Drax <laughs> will come in and say second best friend, and okay. like the reason why it's funny is because they do it three times in the entire movie. Right. If they had done it forty-two times, like they would have in the fucking second movie, it would have sucked. It would have been a not funny joke, but because they do it like the right way, like it, it becomes funny. So like. 
yeah, this, this, you know, they, so they're introducing like a lot of, you know, new characters or, you know, characters that we expected to kind of see. And so Adam Warlock is one of those characters. He kind of rushes the movie along, right? Because he comes in and he fights everybody. And he then literally they, initiates the entire adventure. Yeah. Because the inciting incident of this movie is Rocket gets, you know, severely injured in the fight with Adam Warlock, um, who, by the way, is only there for another part of the like, like he he initiates the movie and, you know, in the movie, he initiates the movie. It's like it's like this weird meta thing. But like basically Rocket Raccoon gets injured. They think that he's going to die. They realize that they cannot operate on him or give him any health packs or anything. Because his heart has a kill switch on it, and the kill switch was put onto his heart for by the person who created him, who made him the way that he is, because he perceives him as like like proprietary technology. Like he's like oh like, right. you know he's like an object essentially that he invented. And so if they were to cut into him and try to see like what's inside of him, they you know the kill switch would go off and it would destroy his heart and he would fucking die. So yeah. then you know Peter has so Peter is a drunk or a drunk now and he's you know that's how he starts the movies he's introduced being drunk and again um and that that part was actually like kind of sad because i think you were right i think just the way that they would use the the song creep was done really well because like yeah. when he like falls on the ground after like you realize like he's fucking hammered and then like it's mm-hmm. like ha 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 like, like slapstick humor but it's like no because they put that song on it and the way they did it and then like she's carrying him like a uh, nebula's carrying him out of the the bar and like yeah. Drax just says again and it's like oh this is sad <laughs> yeah but damn he's actually really really down yeah he's like fucking yeah, he's 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 like done for. He's supposed he's to be like the leader of not just the Guardians, but this whole fucking colony. And he's a fucking drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So they basically Peter has to snap out of whatever he's the funk he's going on because he has to get the Guardians together to go and go to the company that uh, made the technology that Rocket is made out of so that they can, you know, get what they need from him. Uh, to uh, to oh, get the bypass. yeah, they got to get the the code to to you know ta- essentially to, bypass that kill switch. Yeah, exactly. In order to to give him the I know it's kind of crazy only because the technology that heals them that thing that healed uh it's like a almost like a belt like a big yeah. old pouch. It's they wrapped little, it around. That was a really sick ass technology. It is, uh, but it's a little Deus Ex Machina at the same time. It's like oh, oh I, sure. I yeah. It's like I mean, a, in the sense of like they broke the Adam literally breaks uh, Mantis's forearm and they wrap that bad boy around it and it just repairs a broken an entire broken arm, you know? Yeah, it's like interesting visually. And it's I mean, but you can't really it is de- definitely Davis X, but it's all it's off, also uh, this technology from a different place entirely yeah. you know what i mean, so I mean like you can't it's like it's almost like an out you know yeah like, oh, well like i think out. that the way that they incorporated it i was fine with because of how it relates to rocket where it's like you know hey we can all heal ourselves whenever we want but we can't heal him and it's like why and it's like oh that you know it's here here's the here's the reason for the movie you know um yeah. and also you know it gives you hope too like i think that device existing gives you hope because you're like, well, as long as they can kill this kill switch, we know they can bring him back, even if he's in really bad shape at that point, you know? Yeah. And it's like that. That's what I was worried about, like throughout the whole movie. I was like, what if they're too late? Like, what if they get there too late? You know, and it's just like 
you know, it's not going to work, but because that thing, I'm like, oh, they'll just fucking slap that fucking, you know, magic healing thing uh, that fucking, you know, essentially <laughs> operates like the, the goddamn best technology ever made. Yeah, it's, it's essentially like the health packs and fucking uh, Overwatch. So with the intro moving along, you so Adam just he comes flying in. It's uh, like that's what I'm saying. It's a weird like, you know, what I guess the best way I could describe it is like it, it was a very not so organic way for the movie to start. Yeah, that makes sense. it's very rushed. Yeah. And each thing they would say, I wish I would have wrote down some like actual quotes from the movie. But I swear to you, almost every other line was explanatory dialogue that is just telling you, telling the audience what was going to happen. Like, yeah, I think probably eight. I swear it was like eight different times they had to say out loud, we have to save our friend, best friend Rocket. And I yeah. was like, yeah, are you telling the audience that or are you telling the person you're talking to in the movie that? You know what I mean? Yeah, they like, got to remind they, us. They got to yeah, remind us. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we got to, you know. It's about Rocky. Oh, we love God. Rocket because they told us we I almost forgot because I just watched that backstory of Rocket that this whole movie's about Rocket. So I almost yeah. forgot. Thank God they said that. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't, and I'm like, trust your audience. You know, it you could know? be worse, though. You know, if you if you go when you, when you finally go watch uh, uh, Ant-Man. Um, if you listen to our episode about it, the biggest complaint that we have is how often they don't have that dialogue. They just go, what the fuck is going on? And then someone goes, <laughs> I don't have time to explain. Let's go. And they're like, I'm oh, not no. going anywhere until you explain it to me. And they're like, we don't have time. We have to move. But this movie, yeah, the, the intro was rushed a little bit, but it's a very small part of the movie. And the movie starts to get yeah. really good after this. So uh, we get a, uh, a like is Sylvester Stallone in any other movie other than this one. Am I tripping about that? Dude, I think he is. He's for sure in um, Guardians 2. Okay, I just I didn't that. remember that. I didn't remember because I have. It's been so long since I've seen it, and I thought it was so bad. I haven't rewatched it ever. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Sylvester Stallone and the Ravengers they come to the ship, and their leader, which I, that's part of the thing. I was like, really? She's already the leader. She's already in charge of like what the fuck uh, is yeah, Gamora. <laughs> Yeah, like what? What did Yondu have to do to get to that point? Even even Peter Quill was never the their leader, and he was Yondu's son, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they ever explained it. I don't but, think. But yeah, Gamora's been with them for I think like a year, so she's in charge of everyone, uh, apparently. And so right. now you get like, okay, so you know, here's the mission: they're gonna go to this fucking company, they're gonna get into the you know inf- infiltrate it, and. Uh, when they're there, um, Gamora is going to help them get in and out, and then they're going to pay Gamora for for their help, right? So right, she doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she does not care. And this is like, I really liked this moment because like th- this is what forces like Peter has not talked to this version of Gamora since you know the end game, you know as far yeah. as we know, and so he didn't even know that Nebula was in contact with Gamora. And yep. he also didn't even know that Gamora was with the Ravengers. Like he didn't know shit. He was like completely in the yeah. dark about her. Which is a great scene. I loved when he when he saw her again. You could. It's like I've had that feeling of seeing someone like that. You know, and you're like your heart drops. Yeah. And definitely, he just portrays that so well. Chris Pratt's actually. I forget how good of an actor he is when he's not playing Mario. Yeah, the I, like the facial acting. You know, this is something that Daniel brings up all the time. I think that he's like. He really loves it when an actor can portray everything that they need to in their facial expressions, which oh, is, don't tell. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it is a really important skill. It's like, and it's also really important for us as an audience, because like, if you look at like the new Spider-Man, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this or think about this. One of the things they did 
for the reboot of Spider-Man was they made his eyes animated. They made his mm-hmm. suit to where he can express emotions in the suit. So, you know, and it, right. it adds so much to the movie so that you don't have to rip his fucking mask off halfway through the movie like they had to for the Tobey Maguire one so that you could see his facial acting, you know? So, like, it's really important. It's it's important part of, you know, acting. It's an important part of a movie and directing and all that stuff. And I thought this was really, really well done because... They didn't really have to give us like, of course, they do give us dialogue about how he's feeling and all that shit. But like yeah. when he first sees her, it's not like he doesn't have to cry. He doesn't have to express anything. He just the way he looks is like devastating. Absolutely. I love that. If there's one thing that you need to know about the way I look at movies, the same way Daniel looks at facial expressions is that I absolutely hate when people tell don't show. I hate it. I hate spoon being spoon fed information. I just, I mean, I just got done watching Shutter Island the other day in a throwback, but that's like the the epitome of show don't tell. And I loved it. You you know, you really have to figure this out and it wants you to keep along. So anytime there's any explore, what's the word, Um, explanatory dialogue. It just kind of pisses me off. It's kind of disrespectful, I feel like, no? Right, yeah, it it is. And and that's like, you know, that's a big part of of movies. Like, good exposition is show, don't tell. And, um, you know, and it can be really difficult when you have a movie that, you know, one kind of requires that you have an understanding of things already. Like, you know, this movie, I think because they have less exposition, it does lean itself more towards the Marvel fans who have seen the previous movies. But at the same time, I feel like anybody could watch this scene and understand what he's feeling in this moment, you know? And so, yeah, I just thought it was really well done. Of course he, you know, then later uses humor, you know, to cope with his, you know, emotions and and shit like that. But yeah. And then, you know, this whole sequence, um, of them getting, uh, you know, the stuff from this, this place, you know, it starts out like, kind of like, Oh, you know, they're trying to stealth or whatever. And then you actually get some like really decent action with the movie. And again, it's like when we talk about wanting to see superheroes use their superpowers, um, you get both of, of like what you expect from different, from different types of characters in this one, because in this scene you get Drax who's beating the shit out of people and throwing them because he's big and strong. And (laughs) at the same time, um, Mantis is jumping around and she's touching people and manipulating them and their minds the way that she's is, is capable of, which, yeah, which was awesome. It was so fun to see. And like, yeah. you know, I could see some people being like, Oh, they, they just want to do humor instead of action. But it's like, no, like that's her character. Like that's how she would prefer to defeat her foes is to, yeah. Tell them to dance or whatever, you know, whatever it is. You're kidding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She, she is like the master of non-combat resolution, you know? And so, Literally. and then on the other side, you get Peter Quill where it's like, okay well what's his value you know he's just a regular guy well it's his cunning it's his you know charisma and his intelligence you know so he's able to the way he fights is it's almost batman-esque in the sense of his technology and he's like the way he escapes and such it's very on the fly but like planned in a way yeah i think he knows what he's gonna have to do they do a really good job i think better in this movie than even in guardians one of just making him really feel like a badass in this movie Yes. Which is like, you, you hate to go and watch a superhero movie and feel like the hero you went to go see is like a little bitch. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Or being carried by the plot. Like he's kind of fighting stupid, but because other people are stupid, like he's still alive. Yeah. But the way he fights, you're like, oh yeah, I'd get my ass kicked. 
Exactly. You know, like, I don't think I went in a gunfight with this guy. <laughs> exactly. Like he actually seems like he deserves to be the leader of this group, like in this movie, because he's very, you know, intelligent. He's very, like in this movie, I think he shows that the most. So like what he ends up doing is he like tricks this girl, this like receptionist that he's not trying to do anyone any harm. And all he wants to do is just talk to them and tell them that his best friend is dying and he speak needs this heart. Yeah. Said. He's like, let me speak from the heart. And she's like, okay. And then, you know, whatever. And she's like, go ahead. You, you can speak to them. He goes, yeah, I just need to get in the system and he just hacks all their suits to just fucking make them fly like haywire i was like bro that was fucking badass like that was yeah, so that cool was i even believed him i did I too was- i really thought he was gonna like give some fucking bullshit speech and i was like so i was like oh i was like groaning already and i was yeah. like no like that was fucking cool man that was sick so yeah, Speaking and then the- you also get you know Nebula fighting. You also get Gamora being uh, yeah, like you get Gamora in her natural state, which is not like pre pre Guardians. You know, Gamora was a fucking assassin, a ruthless you know daughter bloodthirsty killer. Uh, yeah, yeah, daughter of Thanos. Like, come on, what do it you expect? Sense. That's who she is in this fucking movie. She is she is fucking mean and she oh. is ruthless. Yeah, she's 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 brutal, which I really liked in the. Uh, so Adam Warlock scene when he flew in, they they all gave a uh, they gave uh, their chances to fight him, which was interesting that they did go one on one, which I do think they might have been able to take his ass out if it was a uh, the whole team was there. But I really liked seeing Drax put a, have a big smile. I think he tackled him. Uh, yeah, in the first I act during the Warlock, first fight scene. Yeah, Warlock threw Drax, and when Drax got, got back up, he had a big old smile. You could see, like, they didn't really show it, but you could see, like, he's, like, pumped. He's yeah. like, oh, this guy can throw down. Yeah, and his, you like, know? little line, like, pick on someone your own size. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah. bro. Because, like, at that point, he had already, like, fought Nebula and Rocket Raccoon and Mantis. And it's like, bro, fuck you. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, and you're just like, and Drax, he, fuck like, this dude up. Yeah, exactly. And the way they did it is, like, you you kind of like, oh, oh, shit. Like you yeah. gotta do with drugs. You're man, in you trouble know. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved it, dude. I loved it when they w- would show any character moments like that when they were fighting, and especially because it's so fun to watch them fight. Like they all fight in such weird ass ways. The way Gru would grow grow around him as he was like yeah. flying up. Oh yeah, and I mean that's something. I mean we haven't even talked about him yet at all, but. You know, and I've expressed this to you a bunch, and I know that you know how I feel about this, but the fact that Groot dies in the first movie, quote unquote dies, that leads to him being a teenager and AKA not full power. I fucking hated that because in the first movie, he is such a fucking badass and his abilities and his skill set are just so awesome and so unique and so incredible. And they were like, yeah. oh, well, we want to sell toys. Yeah. So make him a make baby. Him a baby. Make him a really cute baby. Yeah. Make him a really Marvel cute set. child. Hey, you can make him really cute. Like we could sell a lot of them. You know. Yeah. And James Gunn's like, uh, I guess. <laughs> and they were like, Yeah. In fact, we actually drew this for you. Put this in the movie, or you're fired. <laughs> we took. Yeah. We 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 took uh, the. What, what do they call those when they get like an outside audience when they do like tests and whatnot? Oh, yeah, we did like a market test, like a market, marketing market, test. A focus group. We did a focus group. Yeah, a focus group. <laughs> yeah, we did a focus group for the baby. And we love baby group. Baby group is through the roof. We kind of love it, you know, like that's so great. But we think you should do it this way, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, there wasn't a lot of that in this movie, though. I don't think a lot of studio meddling by any means. No. Not like Doctor Strange. I really, really agree with that. I think that this movie, like... 
and and part of part of the you know the credit to that like like I, I know that that's the case it's because we get Groot back we get Groot and like and of course he's not like an adult adult he's like a you know young adult he's like probably 18 19 in human right. you know version of whatever of tree, of tree age yes yeah and he first of all he's fucking yoked shout out to my boy yep. getting fucking massive yep. getting the, yep. them fucking gains bro what he's fucking why dude <laughs> yeah absolute unit uh in this movie <laughs> and yeah it's awesome i fucking love seeing Groot fight at full strength i love him and rocket getting to combo with with people like way later in the movie but still like his reemergence in this movie was just like so awesome for me. I was so happy to see it. You know, it was very refreshing. It's refreshing, and they didn't undermine it. He was OP as shit. Like, exactly, he, was, he, he is OP. Like that's the thing is that's what that's what I, that's what other Marvel fans would say when I would complain about Baby Groot. They were like, "Well, when he was full size, bro, he was too OP." I was like, "Yeah." So fucking yeah. what? So is cool. everyone. Thor is OP. <laughs> Iron Man is OP. Captain America is OP. They're yeah. all OP. Again, that's the that's whole, what we're here for. Yeah. I'm like, that's the whole fucking point. That's why they're the Avengers. That's why they protect the entire Earth from every threat. It's because and they're, they're OP. So they're guarding the galaxy. Exactly. I'm like, he's a guardian of the galaxy. Like, there's another guy in the group who just fucking shoots guns. But, oh, God forbid we have a strong character. Look like, what the fuck, We have bro? a strong tree. Yeah. You know? It's like... We strong, God forbid we have roots really firmly in the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just really love that, that whole sequence. And, of course, you kind of get more of this, like, you know, re-blossoming re relationship between Gamora and, and Peter where, you know, he's trying to be charming in front of her and he's trying to impress her. And I, I think it's, like, really awesome that, like, the times that he does impress her are the times where he's not trying. It's yes. the times where he's actually just trying to accomplish the mission. Yes, exactly. He was being himself, really. Yeah. He wasn't being a weirdo and telling her, like, you know, we were a thing once. <laughs> you know, we used to fuck. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's what he's trying to say. It's just like coming off as. He just looks up and down and goes, keeping that shit tight like you used to. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he said, mm. Could you imagine? Speaking of, I mean, they did toss oh, in yeah. their first. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm imagining it. I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, never fanfic. Uh, speaking of which, NFSFW, they toss in their first F word, dude. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they get I guess they get a free F word from Disney. Official thumbs up. They get, they actually are given a card and it's free for <laughs> it's free for one F word per movie. And James Gunn, like, swipe the card for that scene. And they were literally, allowed to put it in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I literally think they did that just so they could say that they have their first F word. It was like a marketing thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, not out of creative freedom. <laughs> and and I bet they like like listen. I didn't read any articles or anything, but I'll bet that they announced that, and then you know people are like, well, I gotta go see it now because I gotta see where they put the f word. And and you know the, when they say it because they read that article in the theater, they're like whispering in the audience, they they just said their first f word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now of course it's funny that you, that you say that because there is like they do curse in this movie way more often than normal. They drop a couple of shits. Um, like the word shits they don't actually shit on screen uh, no, right. I was shitting on, on screen but uh, <laughs> no. uh, it's funny because uh, there was way more kids in my theater than I thought there was going to be it was just yeah yeah. I mean I went to go oh, see it on weird. a Saturday morning like early in the morning and there was a, just a ton of kids in there I'm not saying it's not for kids but it's definitely not 
you know, on the level of some other Marvel movies in terms of kid friendliness. Um, I mean, and that's that's always been their thing. The Guardians one had the fucking famous joke where he flips them off. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty violent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This movie is very like it's gory, but like, you know, it's Marvel gory. It's oh, this is a flim flam flim flume and he has goo goo ball blood. Yeah. And and so so when I cut his fucking head off and he drips blue everywhere, you know, it's blood, but it's not really blood because he's he's not real. He's not human. So he doesn't matter. His life doesn't matter. No one loves him. Exactly. He's he's a monster. Right. You know, yeah. So you can do that. Yeah. It's kind of like Infinity War with those those monsters. Actually, yeah, it was Infinity War. Yeah, we have when Blood Despair, that thing. And they're fucking mowing them down with rockets and machine guns and knives. But it's okay because they're monsters. Right, yeah. That doesn't count as gore. That's not real. Yeah. It's, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's like killing your dog. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> right? We all agree. We all yeah. agree with that. The Marvel exec says, yeah. it's like killing your dog. Is <laughs> <laughs> this solace? Yeah, this, this, you know, after you get that whole sequence, basically what ends up happening is that you realize that, you know, the the data that they got from the company is not going to work. So they actually have to go find this guy who they saw who, you know, took the, the code with him to this other place. Act two is incredibly long. Yeah. Incredibly long. So now they have to go to this other place because they still don't have the code. And um, at this, like in between, you know, Gamora getting on board and them getting to this other planet. Here's we get a bunch of uh, flashbacks and you get all of the backstory of Rocket Raccoon. And, you know, I don't want to go into like everything that happens in this, but basically it's really, really fucking sad. It's really sad. Yeah. It's about yeah. him and being, you know, tor- tortured and, you know, forced and doing experiments on him. Um, and he's, you know, a baby at the time. And they he is thrown into a cage with other animals who were tortured and, you know, mutilated and forced into being like Cybertronic upgraded animals. It's almost like Toy Story with Sid. You know, it's exactly like, like that. But gory. that. Like just the visual of the rabbit character almost made me cry. And I was like, if Taylor was here, she'd be crying. Yeah, yeah, it was it was even the uh, what was her name? Liliana or Lila? Lila. Or, yeah. Lila with the uh, robot arms and such. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is kind of fucked up. And it's and fucked that, up because she's a fucking otter. Focus on, wait, what'd you say? It's fucked up because she's a fucking otter and otters already yeah. have opposable thumbs, you fucking psycho. Why'd you need to give her arms? <laughs> yeah. It's got a weird focus on animal abuse. Yeah. This movie. And it's like, of, of course, he's, you know, he, he, you know. Like Rocket is an abused animal. All of these animals are abused and he's abusing entire civilizations and cultures. But yeah, like like the bad guy of this movie is like a guy who considers himself a god and he's capable of, you know, manipulating, you know, genetic material and creating life. And, you know, he wants to create an entire planet and he is trying to make a counter earth. And so like like here's the thing that like, OK, the, the sad part about the movie is like his relationship with these people or these, you know, these other creatures who are, you know, they're, they're happy, but they're sad. You know, it's like, like they're happy because they have each other and having each other is the only thing that's important to them. Yeah. And then like, you know, but at the same time, you know, they're all being, you know, manipulated and being, you know, abused or whatever. And, and they've like, they're, they're captives, you know, they've, they've been in cages, you know, for almost their whole lives. And so, 
you get to this moment where uh, Rocket Raccoon basically like they, this is how they explain why it is that the bad guy wants to get Rocket back. That's why they were attacked by Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock was sent there to get Rocket Raccoon and bring him back to this guy. And you're and like, he's a, he's a byproduct of the golden the golden people from Guardians of the Galaxy Two. The beginning are literally a byproduct of this guy. Like right. he made them as a civilization. The high evolutionary is his name, right. which is interesting. So then he's, yeah, you're right. He sends Warlock to go get Rocket because of this reason. Yeah. And the which- reason is that Rocket Raccoon, uh, he like, like the guy shows him that they've been doing this experiment to turn animals into humanoid type, you know, creatures that would have like cognitive thought and, and be, you know, really whatever. The years of evolution. Yeah, exactly. In and so he does this, but then they are like, you know, terribly, you know, uh, they're like out they're like rage filled. And so because Rocket is a genius and he can do, a, you know, extreme you know, levels of, of in, you know, intelligent thinking and and mathematics and science and all that bullshit, uh, all that boring fucking bullshit that is fake shit. <laughs> yeah, because this fucking because because Rocket's a big really fucking idiots. Yeah, just because so because Rocket's a big fucking nerd and a total loser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He actually like he solves the problem of what's going on. Like the creatures are very violent or whatever, and he's like, "Well, you need to do this, this, and this." Like just like a a mathematic in an instant. Yeah, that's the thing that I was talking about earlier, where I said they still don't explain something. It's like I've always wondered why is Rocket so fucking smart? He can just craft anything at any time, and he can make any you know just he can just fix any ship. I'm like, why is he so fucking smart? Like, where did he learn all this fucking shit? And then yeah. You, in this movie, they're like, well, when he was a kid, he was also that smart. I'm like, okay, how? <laughs> you still don't see, you just don't explain it. Is he just fucking goodwill hunting? Is he just like, like, what do you mean? Rocket Raccoon's autistic. Okay, well. <laughs> this will be your most controversial podcast. Um, Rocket, they were they did show them getting teached, like doing the equation. So no one teached were- you, apparently. <laughs> No, right. <laughs> uh, you also uh, said epitome earlier, so there's that. What do you mean? It's epitome. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. I did say that. I remember <laughs> saying it, too. You know, when you, like, say words, you're like, I didn't say that. Like, I literally consciously chose to say that word. After we, so we get all this backstory, right? And we still haven't gotten, like, all of the backstory yet because, you know, what ends up happening is that they go to this like counter earth. So that's what this guy is like trying to create in these backstories. He's trying to create counter earth. That's like a perfect society. And they go to this like first iteration of this counter earth. And there's all these like animal creatures there. Um, and you have this moment where they have to like talk to these people and they're just like normal people. And that's kind of what they seventies. It's like the seventies to 1970s, but it's fucking animals everywhere. I love that. I loved all of that, by the way, it was really, really cool. I love the yeah. way that they put it together. The cars were perfect. The clothing was perfect. Um, the architecture, like all of just very suburban and fucking, you know, yeah. but it's like, yeah, but of course they're all animals that were turned into humans. So they like are humanoid, you know, figures. Um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting. It's very like Rick and Morty esque. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. I really love this sequence as well. And I, I just think that like, uh, first of all, the humor in the scene with Drax trying to lay down. I thought that was so funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this is like leading up to the moment where Quill gets to be a badass again, because basically they split the group up. And when Quill and uh, and Nebula 
and Groot go to the, you know, big spaceship that or I guess that's a spoiler. It's not, it doesn't look like a spaceship. It looks like a building. Um, yeah. When they go to this building, they're like, oh, yeah, we're expecting you. And like they keep also doing this joke where he's like, you know, it's a trap, right? He's like, but I know it's a trap. So it's a face off. <laughs> like six different times they said that. Which is like, he's right, though. Like he yeah. knows it's a trap. So six different people, his, his line of thought. So it was really funny. Exactly. It's like, yeah, come on. Like, it's a trap, you idiot. It's not like, yeah, it's a fucking trap. Don't you know, they know you're coming. He's like, I know they know I'm coming. <laughs> so it's a face off, which yeah, like, yeah, he, he, he's right. It is a face off. Um, and so, yeah, this scene is really interesting because, um, well, first of all, you get the last little bit of, of back of backstory, right? Which is these fucking, one of the saddest fucking parts of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And basically what it is is that Rocket Raccoon, you know, he's yelling at him because he's mad that he was able to figure out how uh, to make the, you know, animals into humanoids. But, yeah, the high, it was. I love that. He what did he, he brought him out of the cage, right? Yeah. He like was so, so angry at him. And I loved it because it was almost like the high evolutionary was jealous. Like, how the fuck did this this raccoon get it, but not me? Like, what? How did you know that? You know? And he was just like, and it was so innocent. You know? He was just yeah. like, and it's like, what's, I, what's I, funny is that he like, like, and I guess not funny, but like, what's interesting is that he never says, but not me. He never gets to that point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He just says, how did you know? How did you know? The, and of course, that's what he's thinking. Exactly. You know? And that's why he's so distressed and whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, well, later he kind of like tries to explain it away by saying the whole point of the, um, you know, experiments that he's been running on people and his attempts at creating uh, life is that if they are not capable of having new ideas, then they're worthless. You know, they're going to, the, as a society, they'll die. And it's like, yeah, you, you understand that concept. And Rocket Raccoon was the first and only fucking, you know, creature that ever came up with a new idea that, you know, took a complicated issue and solved it without it just being a memorization of another issue. You know, it's like you, you can tell anybody two plus two equals four and they can go two plus two is, is four all the time. But until they can create algorithms and fucking, you know what I'm saying? It's like until they can do that shit, they're not a real society. And so, yeah, that's why that's the whole reason he's trying to get rocket back. Exactly. Which is interesting because he would have like these organisms, like solving mathematics and incredible sequences within like, what, under five years old. Like he's yeah. creating these crazy ass beings, but only because rocket was able to, he's even that uh, he was like, that's not enough. Like, it's not the same as what I, what I did with him. Right. You know, we got to get his ass and figure out. We got to get him and get his him. brain. Like, that's what they want. They want his fucking brain. We want to eat his fucking brain. Yeah. He's like a zombie. Brain. I want to eat his brain. Little brain adoption, little alien type type of meme. Yeah. Throwing a hey, uh, editor, throwing a meme here uh, with the little brain, with a, like a little brain guy. Put put in a, the, the, what's Mars attacks, those aliens, you know? Yeah. Put those guys in. <laughs> put those guys in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> This, you know, whole backstory comes to a conclusion where and it, it, it follows this same like idea. I've mentioned this before as well, 
where at the beginning, if you've ever seen the show Community in the first, you know, at the end of the first episode, Jeff Winger gives this speech and he says, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's the same reason why I can grab this pencil, tell you its name is Steve and then do this. And he breaks it and then everyone gasps and he goes and a piece of you dies because humans can connect with anything. And so it's like they follow this same thing. They like all these creatures, they're all like called like eight, two, four, oh, six, oh, four, five or whatever. And yeah. uh, they all give themselves names for the names that they're going to use when they get out of here and they go out into the world and they get to see the sky and get to live in, in the you know, utopian society that they've helped create. Mm-hmm. And then in the scene, the guy is like telling Rocket, like, you fucking idiot. I'm not going to let you on the planet. Yeah, you're, you're fucking disgusting, bro. You're fucking yeah. ugly, dude. Oh, gross. <laughs> Ew, you on my planet? Gross. No, dude. Yeah. You almost made me puke. You almost made me puke. Just think about that. All this in the in the movie too. He was like, oh, it was like a really flat scene. You know, nobody was laughing. Right. <laughs> they were like, they just misread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't get it. But uh, yeah. No. So, anyways, he has to go back to them, and he's like, he he builds a, a key card, which you saw the key card earlier early on in the movie in the first opening scene yeah he he lets them out but then as soon as he lets them out he's like hugging one of the you know friends and you know the lila who was kind of like the motherly figure of the group right because yeah. she was the oldest and she was like the first created and blah 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 and so as he's hugging her you just hear a gunshot now tell me if you thought this too i thought here's what i was like this is what i was thinking i was thinking that it wasn't that she got shot I thought it was going to be that him taking her out of the cage made her kill switch go off. Oh, actually, no, I, I, yeah, I thought it was a gunshot because the reason why I didn't think it was a gunshot is because an actual gun would have gone through her and into rocket, but it didn't absolutely would have penetrated her. Right. The small animal. Yeah. And it's like the way they show it, it, I guess later it shows it as like a lightning gun or whatever. It's like fine. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a ray gun. It's a BB gun. It's a yeah, laser gun. Alien gun, so it doesn't penetrate things. But right. Yeah. And uh, which you can do in movies out. like this. But yeah, so she she dies like right there in front of him, and then he like goes berserk. He attacks, you know, his creator, rips his fucking face up, and then grabs the gun. And as these other guys come in to stop him, he like shoots at them. And I, I, and again, I just thought this was really well done because it's like, it's a superhero movie. You know, you, you think of like stormtroopers when you think of like scenes like this, it's like, Oh, laser gun, laser gun, laser gun. You know, it's like whatever. And then he turns around and his other friends are dead because they got shot in the crossfire. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty sad. It was definitely like seeing, cause, cause each flashback is, is showing these crew of a goofballs. It's almost like a kid's show. Like yeah. these friendly animals, you know, like even the, though they're the horrifying, sound like this, like the most typical walrus sound. Yeah, and he calls himself and he gets Chiefs. Shot. Yeah, and like the freaking bunny, she's like, "I'll call myself Floor because I'm laying on a floor." The bunny was like the least intelligent. It was yeah. like repeating something during all that crossfire. I couldn't. I didn't understand what she was saying, but she yeah. kept saying the same sentence over and over again, and uh, uh, like it stopped. Yeah, I think she was like telling Rocket to run or something like that, like you know, go yeah. like without them. But like, yeah, and but yeah, this scene is just devastating. Like, you get to know these characters; they're goofy, they're silly, they're cute, and and it's like you feel bad for them the whole time because of like just the way that they look is so like 
devastating because of, you know, they're, they're tortured and mutilated animals. Like, you know, who wants to see that? And, and they just have this like upbeat spirit and this hopeful energy. And they talk like, it's like, it's like a typical fucking like horror movie or whatever. It's like, as soon as somebody says like, we're going to do something in the future, like, Oh, they're dead. They're going to die. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, if you make, if you make fucking dinner plans in an action movie, you're going to die in a couple of days, you know? So like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, it was just really, really fucking sad. And I was like trying not to cry in the fucking theater. We get imagery of them laying on the floor with bullet wounds is pretty, pretty fucked up. I was like, damn dude, they, they showed that shit, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's brutal and it's gory and it's, it's violent. It's just like, it's, it's all the things you wouldn't expect from a fucking Disney movie, but it just is. And I think it's part of what made this movie really good. It's like, yeah, like I didn't care about Rocket Raccoon. I didn't give a fuck about his backstory, but now I'm about to cry because of what happened to him and his friends, you know, it's like, like, I, like, you know what I'm saying? And I could, you know, you're supposed to care even less about these other characters who you just met, you know? And I just like, I felt for them so much that it was just really, really well done with the acting, the timing, the pacing, you know, I, I, yeah, it was just incredible. And I, I was really emotional during that scene. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. There was a lot going on. It was, uh, it's just pretty intense. You know, it's pretty much everything you said. It's just super intense and you kind of, you kind of had a feeling, you know, that after Lila got it, that the others were going to get it. And you're just, you know, you don't, it's definitely, it's one of those, like, you don't want it to happen, but you know, it's about to type shit. And you're like, oh, shit. And his uh, Rocket's reaction was super emotional. Right, That's so- probably the worst part, honestly, is him, him yelling when uh, Lila got shot. He was just screaming and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the, the high evolutionary was just you know, rambling to him about like, do you think you cut like a spot in all this? Like it doesn't, doesn't matter. And he hops on his ass and yeah, it was a lot. It was intense. You want to tell, yeah, tell yeah. the audience about how uh, Peter gets the, uh, the code back. Cause this was fucking badass. Cause they, the they, code. they don't let him bring guns onto the ship. So he yeah. gives guns to Groot uh, uh, ahead of time. So, you know, he has guns on him, right? I and he gets on it. So if I remember correctly, he was in, he he did the, he did the face off with the high evolutionary, and um, the eventually when it goes to, it goes to shit, and then Groot takes out. It's probably the, honestly one of the most badass scenes. The second one in the movies, Groot yes. takes out a fuck ton of guns uh, under himself. It's it, closing in on twenty guns with like a shit ton of arms, and. Well, he tossed out a grenade first, right? Yeah, he, he, he throws that it, grenade and it like fucking it, it separates the evolutionaries from the rest of the people, you know? So it's yeah. just like, OK, well, now Peter can just fucking go off on all these other guys. Yeah, it becomes a gunfight. And, and what's uh, up with every villain in Marvel now just having telekinesis? Dude, it's well, when anytime you're touching space territory, like co- cosmic Marvel. It's almost like everybody's got fucking telekinesis. It's like they were just so jealous of the force. They were like, just give every villain the force because Darth Vader had the force and it was fucking cool. You got to have a a sound effect to it, too. You know, it shows. And a little glow. Can you make it glow blue? I don't think people will know they're using telekinesis unless it glows blue. You have to watch Ant-Man, dude. You have to. This doesn't make any fucking sense. I feel like I'm talking to Daniel right now because you haven't seen fucking Ant-Man yet. I feel like, dude, Ant-Man can be that important to the, I mean, I'm sure it is. It sets up the rest of the entire fucking phase, yeah. I I, are, I know what I need to know. How about that? Well, have you seen Can the telekinesis? <laughs> it's That's blue. <laughs> well, the gunfight ends up going, 
and uh, Groot lights up everybody with Star Lord. This really sick ass scene of that camera rotating around them as they're as they're shooting their way out, which I really like this specific moment. It takes super random, but I really like the moment in this gunfight where, it, you know, again, the camera's rotating around Groot and Star-Lord. And uh, one of the moves Star-Lord makes, he like slips through Groot's arms and he, he gets shot at in the midst of this rotation. And Groot grows some branches around him as like a shield almost to eat the shots. And every single, it just goes on to add like every single scene when they're working together to fight. And they could see that they're not just like fighting separate, like they're comboing with each other. Yeah. Was, I think the action scenes in this movie are some of the best, dude. It yeah, is, it's some of the best we've seen the Guardians in terms of action sequences, like it's since the first one. Like, and it, yeah, th- this was definitely one of them because not only do you get this moment of like badassery because they all have all these fucking guns and they like shoot everybody up and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, they find the guy who has the fucking chip in his head, you know, to, yeah. uh, take them out and he Peter grabs him and jumps out of the window of this building which by the way we forgot to mention this at this point the building has started flying it's a spaceship oh uh, yeah and the, the planet is ex- yeah the building that they're the planet that they're on is starting to explode from the ground okay up. yeah as far as like context goes he you know in the explanation of wanting Groot or I'm sorry a rocket the high evolutionary was was explaining like I'm trying to make the perfect civilization and he's like, oh, this is perfect. Star-Lord proceeds to be like, I saw like a bear doing a meth trade with two eagles or something like that. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I agree. It isn't perfect. Go ahead and initiate the kill, like the the, so the detonation. And like they just start blowing up this entire Earth, counter-earth is what it was called. Yeah. With all these fucking animals. Like it is, it's like an apocalyptic event. Which but it's honestly, like, I, I really love the fact that like. They like showed the flaws in this like world that he created because like like they showed like, you know, the bad side of town. They showed like people getting you know mugged and getting beaten and fighting and selling like some, you know, dude selling meth to seemingly underage animal people or whatever. It's just like right. and what I loved about it was it was like, yeah, like this guy just doesn't understand that if you give any like you know, being cognitive, you know, cognitive thought, some of them will be bad. Some of them will do bad things. Some of them will have violent tendencies. Some of you know what I'm saying? Like that's just human. That's, that's what humans are. That's what, you know, intelligence is, is it leads to that, you know, eventually. So yeah, exactly. So it's just like, it's just like a reflection of, of like reality. It was kind of like Lord of the flies, like in terms of like, metaphors like the lord of the flies esque it's like yeah if you like just left to our own devices we will be some of us will just be violent you know or whatever so yeah um, exactly but yeah so yeah then the fucking spaceship starts flying and then you know peter fucking jumps right out of the window with the guy with the guy who had the code on his head and planted in his head which is the missing line of code to get rid of the kill switch for rocket i feel like the counter earth being destroyed was really really slept on like i was kind of shocked they didn't dedicate a scene to it like like the repercussions of, of that you know what i mean like he just just like they mentioned it i remember like i think it was gamora or something's like oh we're dealing with the guy who just killed a civilization i'm like that's a fucking big deal <laughs> you know what i mean i'm so i'm just surprised that they didn't like kind of make it a more a, a impactful scene i suppose i mean you remember the scene from star wars the force awakens when they show the the star killer base did you did you see this i i i'm sure i have it's been a long okay. time since i watched yeah it. it's, it's 
well, spoilers for The Force Awakens from 2015, if you haven't seen it. They show the, the planet killer destroying planets, and it shows... Oh, like, yeah, with the big giant gun and shoots right Yeah, yeah it I shows remember. the people on the planet, and they kind of reflect on that moment for a mo- like a little bit, you know? Like, holy fuck, this dude, this, they, they just destroyed three planets. And this was just like, oh, it's happening. You know what I mean? We gotta. Right. I mean, I, I get it. Like, but it was just interesting. It was an interesting choice. You know Here, what I mean? Like, the, here's a solution for this, and I think this is actually what they should have done. This would have been a really good idea. So you remember how when they were in those, uh, like, you know, Link's people's house or whatever? Um, yeah. They were like, uh, or was it a bat? I couldn't tell what kind of animal it was. Like a Anyways, bat or something? Yeah. So they were like looking at all of the stuff in their house, and it's like, oh, it's to show that they're just like us. Yes, they should have. Go ahead. And if, say, they went, if they during the explosion scenes went back to yes. them and showed them like holding each other as a family and like cowering, yes. we would have really felt that. Yes, that's all you needed right there. That was like the what's most interesting because like as a movie, like you doing those scenes with showing the characters look at those portraits is kind of that. It's almost like it was setting up that moment and it just didn't happen. Which was really strange to me. I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, we didn't get this. I even, I remember thinking about that. I was like, damn, they didn't even show that family that they were with. That was kind of weird. Right. Didn't feel like a super repercussion from it is the best way I could put it. It was pretty undercut. But it moved on. It wasn't the focus entirely. It was that, just an interesting, like. That is true. It just it kind of focuses just on the main characters. Um but yeah, and then, you know, we also get like somewhat of a gory scene because as Gamora is trying to escape, because she's on this ship, but she's not participating anymore. Uh, and, and so her and um, Adam Warlock fight each other for a little bit, kind of fight each other for a little um, bit. And then this yeah. fucking pig creature, which this pig creature was really fucked up too, loved like that, that design. Yeah. You want to really talk, talk about Lord of the Flies? I mean, this yeah. guy. <laughs> Is it a girl too? Is it like a little girl voice? Yeah, it's like a little girl voice, but it's like this fucking disgusting, grotesque looking pig that's also been mutilated and fucked up and turned into it's like a very rigged cyborg pig, dude. It was it was weird. Yeah, put Great this design. put this character in the fucking Avengers game. Let me play with them. <laughs> no, literally. You would though. If that was a character, you would fucking play with them a little bit, right? I feel like yeah, you kinda have to. But yeah, and then you have a yeah, it's that, and then Adam Warlock fucking rips their head off, and that was like, you know, gory but not gory kind of thing. Exactly, it's that same thing we were saying about like, oh, it's a monster, so it doesn't really count, even though it's literally getting its head ripped off from its body before our eyes. Exactly, yeah, and so, um, but after after Peter jumps out of the window. So he has the guy with him and then Groot jumps after him and then Groot catches him and then Groot grows wings so they can glide across. Tell me this. Did you think that he was going to kill this guy the way that he does? No, I didn't think he was going to plunge him to the ground and take him out like that. Right. That was so shocking. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. And he was like underwater. And then he usually, do you think that was part of his like his uh, intuitiveness in the sense of like, Oh, I'm going to jump off the building and use him as my fucking like <laughs> eat the ground. Like I'll be able to use his body. Probably. And I think it was also kind of like, he's already at this point where he's seen most of what these people have done to rocket. So he's like, fuck these guys. I don't care. Yeah. And so he just fucking smashes this dude's head and body into the ground, drags him across the ground for like a hundred yards I thought then, he was going to be alive. Yeah, actually. I thought he was going to be alive, too. And then he just fucking ducks his head underwater and his face starts swelling up immediately. 
and he just looks so dead. He just rips the fucking computer off his head. It's like brutal. It's like the yeah. most brutal you can get without fucking uh, b- gore almost, you know? Yeah, it was pretty dark, really. Now, there is you a part I mean? at the end of this movie that does show some really fucked up gore, but you know, we'll get to that. But basically, this is what happens. They save Rocket. They save his life. It's an extremely emotional scene, and here's why. They show Rocket in the afterlife, and they do. Now, this is kind of cheesy, but it's still really sad. It's He sees Lila from earlier. And she's like, you know, you were right. The sky is blue and it is infinite, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, they, he's like, she's like, yeah, I've been flying with our friends. And then you know, he turns around she turns around and the other two people are there. And he's like, can I come with? And she says, yes. And they start walking away together. And then they cut back to reality where his heart is stopping. And Peter's like freaking heart out. Heart stops as soon as he agrees. He wants to go with them. Yeah. And, and Peter's just fucking wailing, dude. And it's like, it's really, really emotional. And Gamora's like, he's dead. Stop. And like, this is where she kind of sees his humanity, like kind of sees the way that he cares for the people in his life. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it's like really important for that relationship too. And again, just more of this, the facial acting, like the way that, you know, Chris Pratt, you know, looks in this scene, it's just devastating. And then of course they do the cheesy thing. She's like, but not yet. And then he comes back to life and fucking it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. I, man, I kind of wish they would have done it. I'm gonna be real, dude. With you. I thought the same thing. I was like, I kind of wish they would have just committed, and then just had this moment where Peter has to like you know go, come out of his funk and be the leader that he has to be because Rocket's not gonna take care of shit. And like, yeah, even I almost want to say I almost wish it, was, it happened because of Chris Pratt's acting, dude. Like I knew it was gonna be like intense, but like that was. It was hard to watch. You know? Like I said, there were people who told me, yeah, Rocket dies in this one. So, like, I kind of thought it was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was going to happen, too. And I, you know because what? Part of me was kind of happy for him. In what sense? Because he was with those people again. He didn't have to feel the guilt anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was like, I don't know. I mean, it's Marvel, dude. Like, Marvel, I mean, Star like, the big franchises, when they do, like, fake-out deaths and whatnot. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a little- it's, it's a like little a, like it's a slap in the face at this point. It's a little like, bit, a little bit, like a little bit of like a oh you you know you made us feel, but you you know. Can they mean, do two fake part. out deaths in this one? Yes. Yeah. That second one, which we'll get to, holy shit. Yeah. Like why the fuck? And so yeah, so we're gonna kind of rush through the rest of this movie because the majority of the rest of this movie is just really action based. As um, far as I'm concerned, Rocket getting. Revived was the climax. Three, the beginning of Act Three. Yeah, and it's kind of the climax of the movie too, right? Yeah. So yeah. when they, you know, eventually they get the whole gang back together. There's this whole like B plot with Mantis and her, you know, and Nebula learning about the importance of Drax and Drax, you know, relating to these children that have been created by the evolutionists. And so there's this whole thing. But then when like what I want to talk about next because I. This is here's spoiler alert for you know into the pod is this this was my favorite part of the movie. It was when mm-hmm. they all finally got back together and they realized they need to leave, but then they realized they can't leave because you know they are told like, hey, there's children on board and we need to save them, blah blah blah. Um they're like, okay, well, we have to then let's go, you know, find these kids. And they open these like doors to this fucking hallway, and there's like fucking 30 guys in there. And like it's yeah. a combination of like you know, just rage, regular guards and then these like other, you know, mutated animal uh, cybernetic, you know, soldiers or whatever. 
Um, and this action sequence was fucking badass. Unbelievable. And it was long and it was awesome and it was creative and the, the way it was shot and composed and paced and oh, and not to mention they fucking put the Beastie Boys over it, which yeah. was bad fucking ass dude like this scene was so fucking awesome like i have not like been as hype about a scene like this much since fucking uh since the the goddamn drone scene at the end of uh, spider-man 2 like oh shit like remember that scene like how fucking hype that scene was like that's yeah. how i felt in this scene i was like let's fucking go these guys are gonna fuck you up like the guardians are here like let's show them why we are a team of heroes that fucking fight bad guys like you know what i'm saying like it just felt so awesome not to mention it was off the off the cusp of uh of them doing the decision to go back and save the kids and whatnot because gamora was hesitant she's like who gives a shit but the, they all one by one were like, let's, well, we got, like, we don't want to do it, but we got to do it. And then they did that excellent walkout, which, which by the way, I think a lot of the music compositions really good in this movie because most, of, there's a term for it. I forget the term, but, the, but most of it is playing in the movie as well. Yeah. Yes. And it was no sleep till Brooklyn with the beastie boys was blasting in star Lord's ear as they made that walkout. And obviously that's the song that plays during the whole fight. And they walk out to the door and Drax forces open the door and sees all the bad guys and they immediately get into it. And I love the way they, if I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like they were doing a lot of combo moves. Yes. A lot of like, like two characters fighting together and And using their skill sets. Like, yeah. Cause you get Nebula and and Gamora fighting together again. You know, you get star Lord and, and Mantis who are brother and sister, by the way, which you learn in the Christmas special and you get, uh, you know, like just all this shit, like like you get all this cool stuff, and then you get fucking Rocket and Groot back together the yeah. way they're supposed to be. It was just yeah. so amazing. Like I uh, went to singles, and I loved like the scene with Star Lord rolling on through, and he's attaching like the electronic traps to everybody, and um, yeah. Gamora slicing and dicing everybody. It was a really, really fun. It's fun. It's a really fun scene. You're like, oh, this is what it's about. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, it was just like, it, it's not that they weren't fighting or they didn't show things like this throughout the movie, but it was, just, it was just like, first of all, it was the first time Gamora was fully on board and it was just nonstop action. It wasn't like you didn't have to cut between the different characters in two different locations, experiencing yeah. things in different time. Like everyone was fighting together and it was so awesome. You notice that Star-Lord didn't use his rocket boots or put on his helmet the whole time. I did notice that. I did notice that because of the second fake out death. Now, (laughs) after this scene, long story short, they save all the kids and then rocket has this interaction with the, you know, guy, the big bad. And, um, he's like, you know, he puts his like gravity boots on and then shoots him. And basically the guy is just telling them the same thing he said last time. He's like, you're part of, you're a small part of my mission and blah, blah, blah. I love that scene. I love the conversation between the evolutionary and rocket. I really like that scene which I believe we skipped over, which was the uh, the scene where, where the ship was starting to go under. It was, it was starting to... Because by this time, did they have Nowhere? Yeah. So, like, basically, uh, they called Nowhere, which is also a giant ship, um, to come and, and, and help them. Because, one, they need to fight these these bad guys. But, two, they also need to save all of these kids. And so, yeah, exactly. you know, that's the, like it's already there. Um, and yeah, and the ship is, you know, like basically the people who work for the evolutionarist or evolutionist, whatever his name is, uh, high evolutionary, yeah. yeah, high evolutionary, whatever, 
the people who work for him are like, dude, turn the fuck around and let's get out of here. We're all about to die. And he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm not listening to you. And so they try and turn on him. And when they try to turn on him, he just kills everyone and destroys the controls to the ship. So Nebula has to come and like, you know, you know, pilot the ship herself and all the shit. So I really, really like that scene a lot, David. I think the my favorite part about it was was. Not only obviously she, the I'm assuming second in command, you know, she was like, you know, we need to high evolutionary. We need to get the hell out of here. This is this is done. Like we we, we need to leave. Like, what's the point if we're not going to be able to survive? And uh, you can just see I don't know who is the actor for the evolutionary, but he was really good, too. Um, very intense. That line he uh, she says something along the lines of like, for the love of God, we need to get like there's no point to this and he's like there is no god that's why i'm doing this and i i i fucking love that i love that scene a lot and i i it was like this hit it was almost like the hidden reason why he was doing it you know what i mean he's like that's a strong statement you know what i mean well, yeah it's, and it's like different. you kind of know that he thinks that about himself you know what i'm saying yeah but like he hadn't really said it until this point and it's like yeah yeah it's a very powerful statement to make and it kind of gives, you know, credence to what he's doing in a, you know, in a twisted sense, kind of like a Thanos twisted sense, you know, like, oh shit, you know, he's just, he's trying to play God, which you, again, like, yeah, you're right, we knew to hear it outright, and then the people all start putting, pointing their guns at him, and then, uh, are you eating the, right the, the, the detonation? Yeah, I hear, I just, sorry about that, it was on the side. He's eating chips on the side during a podcast. Yeah, no, it was a. Uh, the fans are gonna love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a baked glaze, dude. I just saw it in my my site. <laughs> you couldn't resist, bro. I really, I sensed the saltiness. Oh, you didn't say food. it was a baked glaze. Now that I know it's baked glaze, <laughs> lightly <laughs> salted. I mean, what? How could you not? <laughs> Do you understand? It's a cardinal sin to eat chips on the mic. <laughs> cardinal sin. You you should know. Okay. Yeah, I I get what you're saying because like like that was his like like he's been a really vicious villain for most of the movie, and I think that was just like a building on top of that to just make him like like it, it, you get to the point where like someone needs to fucking kill this guy, and then finally yeah. people turn on him. And then there's still like there's still nothing they can do. And so, yeah, yeah it's when you get this interaction with him and Rocket and Rocket beats him. It's like, yeah, Rocket beats him because Rocket is smarter than him. And we've all yeah. we all know that now. And Rocket knows it, too. And so, like, that's how he actually defeats him, because he can't use telekinesis against someone who's using gravity boots because he's, you know, planted on the ground. And so, Not yeah, to mention they set that up way at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. He the says, I want to see if these work on a slope. And that was beautiful. I was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, that's great. I love it when they, I mean, it's just a typical movie thing, man. But sometimes these movies don't get that. They just put in, you know, a random thing that has nothing to do with anything. And it never comes back to fruition. But they did it. You know, they had that set up. So yeah. just, just little things, you know, they could appreciate. Yeah. And so basically what ends up happening is that Rocket, well, right before he has this interaction with him, he finds all of the animals that are also on board. 
and then Rocket has the interaction. They rip his face off. This is the really gory part that I was talking about. When Rocket tore his face up in that flashback, it's really fucking brutal, and his entire face is like completely ripped off. And so throughout the whole movie, like his, you know, his current, his present version has his face like stretched out and like pinned against like a helmet looking part. And then, you know, in the flashbacks, he just has a regular head. And so you find out at the end of the movie that that's not actually his face. It's just a mask. And then they show his real face and so fucked up. And then Rocket doesn't kill him because he's part of the Guardians and the Guardians don't kill, Um, which I thought was really awesome, too. It's like Rocket, like accepting like, you know, that life. He has the you know interaction with the big bad. He defeats him. They get all of the kids off of the uh, board and onto nowhere. They also get all of the animals off, you know, per you know Rocket's demand. Um, and then they have this other fake out death scene where Peter, you know, almost loses his little fucking thing. And uh, they save Adam Warlock again, even though he's fought them like five times now. And Groot says, you know, I am Groot. And then they say, oh, well, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. So, you know, they, Adam Warlock is going to become, you know, a, a, a citizen of nowhere. Um, and so, you know, Peter is uh, tries to jump from one ship to the other after they've separated off of each other. And. Uh, he gets stuck in space and his face starts to swell up and he doesn't have his helmet, which I get like you did mention, like he doesn't have rocket boots or his helmet throughout the entire movie, which I thought was a weird decision. Um, yeah, but I, I get it. And, you know, from the perspective of like, he's not himself, you know what I'm saying? But like at the same time, uh, it was kind of annoying. It's like, well, those yes, are kind of trademarks for a reason because that's how you survive, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's so like, he's yeah. stuck in space. We're all like, Peter's dead. Oh, and then Adam Warlock goes and saves him. Which I thought was interesting when that number one, I really liked that part when he jumps from the ship because they do almost like a fake out for this fake out, which was they had, if I remember correctly, he was running with that hose. And as he makes that jump, he detaches the hose and it shoots out a burst of air so he could fly away from the ship. Like a beautiful yeah. move. And it just and doesn't then he work. And the gravity, the sheer mass of the ship. And uh, when Adam comes to save them, they resemble the the the, the painting of. Um, did you notice that? It, I, I I forget the damn painting. It's that the painting on top of the chapel where the guy laying down with his finger up, touching God's finger. Yeah, it I forget that. what it's called too. Yeah, yeah, it was that that, and it was like this, which was interesting to me because I was like, okay, now there's just a very specific religious imagery that uh, we put in here. So I just yeah, but I, I think no that, that, that that image has been used for comedy so many times that that's and I think that Adam Warlock's character is pure comedy as well, so that's kind of part of it too. I suppose, but then it becomes a discussion of like, was that supposed to be a comedic scene? You yeah, know? comparing Adam Warlock to God saving him. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So Warlock ends up bringing bringing him back. He saved his ass. He saved his ass. Um, and then he, they have this emotional scene with Gamora where she goes back with the Ravengers. And, you know, she's like, I bet we were fun. And he's like, we were whatever. And it's like, bro, like at this point, after all of this that you've been through, why don't you just say like, hey, you know, I know I've been weird about this. But if you do want to, like, go out sometime, let's <laughs> do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what do you have to lose? Yeah, like she clearly she clearly is starting to get it. Life. She's starting to understand it, right? Yeah. A little Why bit. Enough that he should have made a move. I thought they were going to kiss. I second. thought they were I thought, too. 
I really I thought, thought I was gonna turn around and give her a kiss. I'm I'm a little grateful that they didn't because I didn't For want sure. them to abandon that part of the story. But still, yeah. like I don't know, man. I don't know. But yeah, so they he's like, okay, let's have a meeting, and then they disband the Guardians of the Galaxy essentially because, you know, all of them are like, yeah, I need to go do my own thing now. Cool. Uh, Peter decides to go back home to Earth to go see his grandfather, who he never thought about or cared about to go back and see um, after his grandfather lost his daughter and his grandson in the same day. Um, And then uh, uh, Mantis decides to go off on her own and get to do things that she wants to do because she never gets to do anything that she wanted to do in life. Drax stays. Yeah, Drax decides to stay on nowhere to help raise the children. Be the dad that he's always meant to be, which was a very emotional scene. That was emotional. Drax, dude, I don't know what it is about Batista as that as that actor, or I'm sorry, as that character, but he is just everything he does. It's very emotional to me. I don't know what it is. Like I said earlier, his ability to—he's uh, actually pretty damn funny. Like in the sense of like his comedic timing, he, he nails it. Really yeah. good comedic. And then the next time that he wanted to roll, instead of auditioning, he just said, "Give me what I want." Give me what I want. <laughs> WWE uh, non WWE fans have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Oh, for sure. Gotta look that shit up. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Uh, so yeah, DJ, Drax ends up staying. Drax ends up staying. Nebula ends up staying to take care of nowhere, and then Rocket becomes the new leader of the Guardians. And the Guardians is made up of a bunch of different characters from this movie. So. There you go. There's the end of the movie. Post credit scene. The oh, sorry, mid credit scene yeah. um, is the new Guardians, and that's how we know who the new Guardians are going to be, and just them on another planet doing a mission, whatever. Including Groot is part of the new Guardians, um, and then post credit scene is Quill with his grandfather, and they're just talking about regular normal stuff, and then it says Star Lord will return. Now, for those of you who've listened to the pod before, you know that Daniel was furious. Furious at the end of Ant-Man because I made him stay for both the mid <laughs> mid credit scene and the post credit scene. And after the mid credit scene, so I like it's after the movie was over, he tried to stand up. I said, first time, what the fuck? Yeah, I like, sit back down. down. Yeah, and he's like, what? I'm like, there's another fucking scene. He's like, oh my god, they do that for all of them? I said, yes. And so, and then there was the mid credit scene, and then he stood up again. I said, first fucking time, loser. <laughs> <laughs> Sit the fuck down. He's like, what? I'm like, there's a post credit scene. That was a mid credit scene, you fucking idiot. This is a post credit scene. <laughs> and he was furious because at the end of the post credit scene for Ant-Man, it says Kang, you know, who's the big bad in, in that movie, will return. And the post credit scene for that movie, uh, spoiler alert, makes it extremely obvious that Kang will return. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I could have fucking guessed that. But at the end of this movie, it does say Star-Lord will return, and I think it was warranted this time, because they did make it seem like it's possible that his story could be over. Yeah, which was interesting, too, that it might just be Star-Lord, but not the Guardians. I'm assuming it will be. Adam, you know, I hope they just do a regular, uh, like, rom-com without any action at all for Star-Lord. Oh my god, that'd be so good! Like on, on a Disney Plus, like a little TV series. Yeah, and it's just about him finding love again. Yeah, I think that'd be great, and it'd be like a, a lighthearted comedy, but obviously in the MCU, so that they could like obviously you know reference. Yeah. All the, the crazy shit that's happened so far. And like he's like on a, he's like on a date, and the girl just keeps talking about Thanos and keeps talking about Thanos because you know she hasn't gotten over the blip yet. 
And he's like, oh, yeah. oh my God. Well, I fought that guy. So, you know, I accidentally caused it. Yeah. When yeah. I, yeah, it was actually well, partially my fault. But, I mean, to be fair, it was within the one scenario in which they do win. So, like. Yeah. That's what he would say, too. To be fair, it's within the one scenario. <laughs> to be fair, there was a lot of scenarios. Listen, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. You what should really watch all of them. <laughs> he says, sir. Through movie, <laughs> their movies and the movies. All right. Uh, anyways, so that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I know there's a lot in the movie that we didn't talk about, but we don't have all day. Um, so for my favorite part of the movie, you know, I already talked about it. It was the, you know, no sleep till Brooklyn action fight scene. Like we said, it was just the best part. It, for me, it was the best part of the movie because it was the most hype that I was. My least favorite part of this movie Honestly, I just kind of want to say Adam Warlock in general. I understand wow. that they wanted new characters, but his first of all, his actor, I just didn't think he was funny at all. And uh, I know he's like the guy from like he's he's the guy who plays the kid in, in We Are the Millers, right? Yeah, his eyebrows, dude. Yeah, and he's just not funny. And he his character wasn't funny. And they just keep trying to make him that way. And uh, again, like I said, like we already have Drax whose whole bit is I'm big and strong, but stupid. And that was kind of his bit. And it was just not very good. And he's kind of annoying. And then, of course, he he acts as essentially a deus ex machina for a pointless fake out death scene. Yeah, that's true. All right, Jackson, random question. What what was your favorite part? And you know what? While we're at it, what was your least favorite part, too? Oh, now that you mention it. Uh, my favorite part, honestly, I, it's when you ask this question, I usually have to answer like, for for lack of better, it's gonna be a little cheese. You ready for this cheese? Cheese from the heart. It's gotta come. My answer comes from the heart because it's the scene that just resonated me with the most. So that favorite scene was when when Gamora was leaving at the end, and they had that really really hard to watch shot of both their backs against each other. And her saying, I, w- I bet we were fun together. And it, and it shows the shot of Star-Lord's eyes teared up. Ugh, it gives me the chills now. Like, I, I literally cried. I'm not going to lie to you. I definitely shed a tear. I thought that was, I don't know, something about that. It's just, it's very, it's very powerful. Just, you know, it's just love stuff. Yeah. Just anything, like a love story like that. And, and again, like we said earlier, it's just, she's right there. But she, she still can't have it. And it just. You think at that moment he might be a little bit over it because she, cause she t- tells him before she leaves, you know, he's like, we can't still can't be a thing. And he's like, yeah, I know. We're all good. And then she says about we were fun. It's just I love that scene a lot. It's very emotional. I know it's like not a very exciting scene compared to the. Uh, yeah, because he, he says to her, like, you know, she says, I'm still not who you want me to be. And he's like, I know. But who you are is not so bad. And like yeah. that was like really hard to hear. It's like him kind of accepting like. Yeah, like, you know, because like like you said, it is like at the beginning of the movie, you understand why it's harder for him to move on than normal because the person that he loved died, but then didn't, but then came back. But it's not that person, you know, so it's like that's hard. Yeah, it's very uh, there's a very touching scene for sure. Um, As far as my least favorite scene goes, kind of the beginning, the first act where I was explaining it's a lot of explanatory dialogue. It's kind of. Let's remind everybody what's going on and like, let's just get a move on to the because as soon as they like leave to go off of their adventure, it really picks up. <laughs> oh, by the way, the single fuck. Let's go ahead oh and mention this God. real quick. 
um, the single fuck was he's trying to uh, to get Nebula to open an old like 1970s car door, and there's like a handle, but there's also a button underneath the handle, and he's like, she's like, what do I do? He's like, he's like, you you push it in and pull it, and then she's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, I'm I'm doing that. And he's like, okay, there's a button underneath, and she's like, you're pressing on the keyhole. keyhole, and then he's like, it looks like you're pressing on the keyhole. She's like, what's the difference? He's like, there's a different button. Push that in, and then she pushes it in, and she goes, okay, now what do I do? He goes, open the fuck fucking door <laughs> <laughs> i got the biggest laugh in the theater i don't know about you yeah i actually i was like i was like dude that that was a good joke i i like, yeah, I like okay now what he's like open the fucking, open door. The fucking door it's like yeah because that's how i would say it too i mean oh, obviously sure. you know? I, I throw a fuck into almost every sentence i say but you know <laughs> if that specific occasion teaching somebody how to open a door yeah that's yeah. coming out this movie like i said at the beginning i thought was really well done i thought it was one of the best you know it's uh, for me it's the best that we've seen these characters together since guardians of the galaxy one and um you know i think as a movie in general i would probably give this one like a four or five out of ten um but right. as a marvel movie i'm like i'm 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 tempted to go as high as eight out of 10 into, for, for wow. a Marvel movie. I feel like as a movie, I'd, I'd probably have given it a six. I think it's definitely above average. And Maybe as, a five. Okay. And then as a Marvel movie? As a Marvel movie, dude, uh, put me on the spot here. I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to end up changing my mind, but I think it'd be like a, a low eight. Low, low eight. eight. Yeah. I, I would say that too. It's closer to a seven than an eight for me, but I, I think I still want to stick as eight as a Marvel movie. All right, so now what we're going to do is we're going to go into the second part of the pod where we're going to go online. We're going to look up some trivia and see what other people are saying about the movie. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of shit already because this is a Marvel movie. Um, And we will be right back. And welcome back to part two of the pod. Daniel, this one's just for you. Welcome back to the after party. Um, <laughs> that's just for you, Dan, and no one else. And I will. You know what? I, I, I'm saying on this one, not because not to make you happy, but to make you mad that the one episode I will ever say that is the one you're not on. All right. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, listen, I only have two things that I want to read off. You guys can imagine that between the posts on Reddit, you're either getting the longest explanations ever of everyone's fucking deep in fan theories from the comics to the movies to all that shit. And then you're also getting comments that are like, this movie good. I like yeah. dog. There's a dog in the fucking movie. I like the dog, you know? <laughs> so here are two, two comments I'm going to read. Um, one kind of, I guess from each, but you know, not, not crazy. Um, the first one is just like really, really sad to think about. They just mentioned this is true. Rocket's first words was hurts. Oof. Yeah. Rocket is shown the first after he gets his brain put in and the first you know time that they're trying to tell him that he's he can talk. The first word that he says is hurts. And it's like, dude, oh. I want to fucking cry just thinking about it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's pretty fucking sad. Very emotional. Um, and that's yeah. I mean, that's his life, man. This is another one. And you know what? This one I'm reading because I feel like you would appreciate this one, Jackson. So the first thing says that um, I was surprised that not a single major character died in this. I agree with that because I feel like they're trying to end a lot of people's storylines. They're trying to get a lot of people 
that were in these older phases that people reminisce about out of the series so they can start like kind of rebuilding new. Um, it For is sure. kind of surprising that they were able to do that without killing off anyone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this person says also noticed that the Guardians of movies have the most deaths in the MCU movies. In one, they kill off almost they kill off all of the Nova Corps. In volume two, all of the Ravengers get killed by Yondu's arrow. Uh, arrow. And in this one, a whole fucking planet gets blown up, not counting Infinity War since they unsnapped. I was like, yeah, yeah. I guess that is true. When you think they have really large scale deaths, I think like you comparing it to like that Star Wars uh, scene is like kind of, you know, fair for this one. Right. Because, yeah, they they just blow shit up, man, with fucking people on it. It's crazy. Just a, yeah, just a civilization getting exploded into just literally cities destroyed. I've presumably billions of people, you know, exactly. All right. And Jackson, what do you, what do you have for us? Let me see. This one says, uh, James Gunn and Chuck Woody, which, uh, you know, I apologize if I butchered his name, but that is the actor that plays the high evolutionary, the villain of the movie. They worked to make the high evolutionary, a dark, irredeemable character focusing on his traits of quote, single mindedness, narcissism and zealotry traits held by the most horrific figures in history which i did i do like reading that just because i mean that's exactly what it is you know uh you can you can look at this character and he is very much like a you know dare i say like a world war ii villain-esque you know yeah. perfect society yeah doing like, like experiments fun, you know on innocent yeah, people innocent creatures and and things like that yeah i, I can kind of see that he does have those personality traits i did like this character a lot in the sense of like he had a really good screen presence and I really like his, des- that's probably part and due to his design, which I really liked, you know, he had a very specific look to him and his powers were, uni- you know, not necessarily unique, but, uh, you know, gravity based and interesting. And he had a good presence about him. Like when you talk about Thanos, he was the ultimate presence. As far as I'm concerned, anytime he was on the screen, your eyes were like zeroed in on on him. Yeah, you, know and you, I mean? you could understand where the fear was coming from. You know, yeah. Like for this guy, it's like, yeah, like if he accomplishes his goals, who fucking cares? So he created a planet of one of trillions of planets, and it's a perfect society. And he killed a fucking bunch of people that he created in a lab. Like I don't know. I guess from a moral standpoint, I'm just like whatever. But it's it's the torture of these innocent animals that he's done leading up to this point and like what he did to rockets essentially first family like that's yeah. why i'm like fuck this guy i hope he dies you know exactly and the, the other imgb trivia i have here which is uh this is definitely not nearly as interesting in the sense of like story but i do like this stuff as far as making movies go and this is a uh, this film sets the record for most sets the record for the most makeup appliances used in a single film Having more than 23,000 prosthetics used across more than 1,000 actors. Oh, I guess for that planet, that would have been very crucial. Absolutely. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right? It's it's interesting because it's very much like, hey, uh, if you don't like the story, you can – I don't think anybody can deny the uh, effects and like the everything – all the costumes that they have. Yeah, I think it's that's all like we, we talked about that early on, like, you know, this movie 
even though they are the most warranted CGI of all of the characters, this movie had honestly a lot of really practical effects. Even some of the yeah. sets, like, you know, the set of the, uh, the, the corporation that they were at like that, a lot of that was practical, you know? So like, I don't know. I just thought that, yeah, I agree with that. It's like, like you, there's something to admire about what they did with this movie when they had an out, they could have made all of these people on this other planet just be CGI and they chose not to. Yeah. Setting a record. It's, it's always, I think that's just really interesting to me and I just love the art and I'll always love like the cosmic, uh, the, 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 the look that the MCU gives their cosmic it, like space is so beautiful. Well, this one is definitely one that we both recommend to you guys. If you're a Marvel fan, you've already seen the movie. If you're not a Marvel fan, then we definitely <laughs> recommend going to go check this one out. I think it's worth the watch. Um, thank you, Jackson, so much for being on this episode. We, you know, like I said, we really wanted to have you on. Um, one because you know we knew that Daniel had a scheduling conflict and he wasn't going to be able to be here, but. Even then, even before that scheduling conflict, you know, and you can attest to this, I texted you a long time ago and said, whenever the next Marvel movie comes out, whatever it is, I want you on the episode um, because you and I always have good conversations about Marvel movies. And I know you're going to text me about Guardians 2 as soon as we're done here. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate being on the podcast. It's always a pleasure being able to speak about, uh, you know, movies and such that you know, don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but Hey, it's fun to talk about superhero <laughs> movies. And, uh, I always appreciate our discussions and, um, just look me up on Instagram, Jackson Bozich. I'm going to say my last name for the internet, Bozich, B-O-Z-I-C-H. Look me up. Find me. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can get involved on the conversation at wild dream pod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, let us know what you thought of the episode and let us know what you thought of this movie if you went to go see it. And we will see you guys next time. The galaxy is far too big. You, you they can't really be guarding all of the galaxy, right? It's far oh, yeah. too. There's definitely some planets that are like, where the fuck are those guys? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that they've have like a like a quota to meet? Well, no, not a quota. Like a list of people they missed, and like, well, we oh. could make it there. Surely there's discussion to be had. Like we either go here or here, yeah. or maybe in different places they have to go to at the same time because there's so many fucking planets. Yeah, there's no, there's just no way. There's no way they're guarding the whole galaxy. I think they'll have to put several divisions of said guardians. Yeah, that's probably the next move. It'll be it'll be 10 different squads of guardians and then we're going to have a movie that focuses on 10 did like 80 characters. Yeah, Daniel's going to love that one. <laughs> <laughs>